What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the new classic film photography podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about some street photography, which is quite exciting because I know that a lot of you listening really love to get out there on the streets and create some dope images. So we're actually going to be chopping it up with Dolo Photo, as he's known on Instagram, but his real name is Chris. All right, let's jump into the episode. What's good, everybody? What's up? What's up? So today we're actually going to the East Coast, and I'm very excited because my homie Chris out here, he's not from New York, but we'll get into that, but he's from right across the street, if you know what I mean. So very happy to be talking to one of my people. Um, but please go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Yeah, so my name is Christopher Davis. A lot of people know me as Dola Photo on Instagram. Uh, I'm a street, ph- street photographer and a documentarian uh, based out of Newark, New Jersey. So yeah, I'm right, right across the Hudson. Nice, nice. Well, you mentioned Newark right off the top, and that that makes total sense. I think if anybody looks at your work on Instagram or perhaps elsewhere, it's very clear that Newark is like central almost to a lot of what you do. And I'll admit, I don't know other stuff of what you do other than what I see on Instagram, so I could be wrong. But just kind of walk me through what what, what does Newark mean to you? Why, why is Newark such a big focus in, in your photography? Well, I feel like for me, you know, uh, just just getting into street photography in general, you know, you you tend to see a lot of, like I said, major, you know, other major cities like New York yeah. City, you see L.A., you know, just, just something like the major parts. And uh, just for me, um, I just want to get out there and just document my city because uh, over the years there have been some photographers who, who have done this kind of thing. Um, but I just feel like, you know, I, I just want to just bring it to like a whole nother, you know, I guess like level. Yeah. Uh, so just for me, um, you know, a, a lot of people when they're coming out here to to do shoot photography in Newark, you know, they're doing a lot of like, you know, scenery shots or whatever, you know, they're not really getting the chance to, you know, like really talk to the people and just yeah. really get to know them and tell their story. For the most part, out, out in my city, a lot of people, they do like, you know, like the traditional like fashion stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of like portraits on the streets, but, you know, I just try to get everyday people, you know, just going about their, their lives there, you know, because everybody has a story there, you know, to tell and like yeah. lessons to give as well. And, uh, you know, over the years, um, Newark has changed. Um, like I said, as far as like, you know, like the whole gentrification process, so a lot of people like of coming out and, you know, there are new people coming in. So it's like, it's almost just a way for me just to document the people who are actually there, you know, like living their lives there and uh, who are part of the culture that's there that yeah. and, and, and the pieces of the puzzle that actually make Newark. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, no. yeah and I'm, I'm super proud, you know, to be from there. No, that makes total sense. I think it's good that you're a focusing on where you live. I think a lot of people find it tough to photograph their home city or their hometown. Cause they're like, Oh, you know, there's nothing here, but I feel like no matter where you live, that's probably not correct. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But the other thing is like, I'm curious though, you, you mentioned like a lot of people come to Newark and don't, you know, capture that kind of photography or don't interact with the people, don't really document. Do you think someone from the outside of the community, someone new or just someone from somewhere completely different, you think they actually, like, are they entitled to do that? You think there's some, you think that's okay? Or you think maybe there's like a, a specific way they need to do that? I'm just curious how you view that. Well, I mean, if you're from, the, I mean, I've had plenty of people come from outside, you know, they want to get to know Newark. Yeah. Um, I just feel as though, you know, if as long as you try to get out there and get to know the people, get to know the culture, you know, it's totally fine rather than, you know, just coming in and say, oh, like, I'm just going to give like, I'm just going to, you know, just take in like from what everybody else is saying about Newark. And I'm just going to just add that to like what I'm capturing or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, you know, so, some, sometimes it's a bit exploitive, you know, when some people sure. just come in and it's, it's, I don't know, it's like, I don't know, it's like over the years, like there's been like a lot of people from the outside who don't know Newark, you know, they'll just listen to the news or say like, oh, yeah, yeah. Newark's a bad place, you know, people get robbed, stabbed and shot out there. But 
I mean, I, I feel like for me, I've seen more positive, sure, you know, things in Newark than more than the negatives. Like, of, of course, course, there's, there's going to be negativity anywhere in the world. And if you're yeah. looking for that, then you're going to find that. But if you're looking for the more positive aspects of anywhere yeah. in this world, you're going to find that. Yeah, no, that that's so true. I mean, even New York City. I know New York City is quite, you know, diverse within itself, especially different boroughs and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like New York City almost gets the benefit of the doubt. I don't hear anybody ever, you know, talking smack about New York. Be like, oh, New York's fucking dangerous or terrible. Don't go there. In fact, it's the opposite. Everybody's like, I love New York. Best place ever. But it's interesting because I almost have the opposite reaction you have. Like, since I hear so much positive, I'm like, yo, these people don't even know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, right, they, haven't, exactly. been out, they haven't been out of Times Square. They haven't been there. I haven't been there. And even Times Square, like, people getting shot and, you know, random random stuff happening here and there. Obviously, I'm not trying to scare anybody out going to New York. But um, it's just, I think the moral here is, like, don't just, you know, go with the narrative that everybody else is feeding you. I think the best way to do it is to maybe find a local or find people who have actually connections, you know, to, to the, the roots of the, of the community. And then maybe through them, try to experience the culture. Because I feel like if I followed you around Newark, if we went on a photo walk, I'd probably see Newark in a whole different, unique, special way compared to if I went by myself. You exactly. Know? Yeah. There's probably, you know, places that I would never go, people I would never talk to. Um, and I consider myself pretty open. You know, I get out there and, you know, talk to whoever. And it's funny in London, I do the same thing and I'm not from here. But um, now that I've lived in, in Brixton, where I live in, I, now, I've been here for basically the entire time, almost two and a half, three years. Like, I feel like I'm part of this community enough now where I can kind of like move and kind of like just like just sway and interact with whoever comes my way. You know, and, and it's fun because. Yeah. In my mind, you know, I feel like connected, but at the same time, I'm still I know in my head that I'm not, you know, I'm not from here. I'm not I'm not Jamaican, for example. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a lot of Jamaicans. <laughs> out here. That's, that's the dominant like culture right here. Uh, but I don't know. I think people need to be self-aware. If we, if we put a positive spin on it, if you're self-aware, you go somewhere and you think about what role you play in this kind of place you just entered. I feel Absolutely. like from there is probably pretty safe. Um, so. With your street photography, um, so I think you shoot like a right. Is that what I see? Do you have any other equipment you use sometimes? I mean, no. Like I said, nine times out of ten, this thing is with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just F6. picked up a, a CL. Um, what are some other things that I have here? Like, you know, if I if I get into any kind of digital work, uh, yeah. the only thing that's with me on the street whenever I'm shooting digital is a the Ricoh GR3. Ah, very nice. Uh, this thing is. But you know, I, I have a plethora of different cameras that you know I can use yeah. or whatever. And you know, since um, like I, I work, you know, work for Lomography now, so I've yeah, been yeah. like testing out like the the Sprocket Rocket, of course, the Diana with the with the glass lens. So I'm just you know yeah. I'm trying to just just doing different things, you know, that can help me tell a, a particular story. No, nah, no, nah, for sure. We'll talk about Lomography in a second because I'm definitely I got some questions there. Um, but <laughs> it seems like your your street kid is is uh, I was gonna say basic, but that's the complete wrong word. I mean, I mean more classic. Like you're you're using the kind of tools that a lot of street photographers historically have used. Do you find that that's just um you know it's a comfort thing or the, the equipment is just that good that it works great or what? Why well, do you I use just, what you use? I just feel like it, it just works perfectly with me. Um, yeah. I know getting like when I first got into street photography, yeah. um, like I was using a, a Canon A1. Yeah, you know, just going up to people in the street, saying, "Hey, you know, is there a, you know, take your portrait." Yeah. Um, also had a a, a Leica R5 and an R4. Nice. You know, like. You know, SLR, very, very noisy. You know, somebody exactly. getting down the street. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't until like I actually gave like a, like the rangefinder style like a chance. So like yeah. I had the uh, the Canon the Canonet QL seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just from that particular system, you know, just having you know just the the rangefinder 
you know, viewfinder right there. You know, yeah. I'm able to look around and see what exactly is happening. And you know, plus the thing, you know, it's super small, super light, and it's quiet because of the shutter. And like I said, from there on, I was like, you know what? I feel like rangefinders kind of bring out the best in, in yeah. like what I do, and it just works well with me. It doesn't it doesn't work against me? No, no, that you you honestly you hit you hit a home run on that one. I think the way you phrase it, like it, I mean, I forgot the quote already, even though you just said it. But it's more about you know, it helps you work the best way. Like if the equipment helps you get the photos that you're trying to capture and get them very, you know, with good accuracy and comfort and comfortably, then like, that's it. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't matter what camera it is. It might be a different camera for somebody else, but if it helps you get what you want to get, then that's it. You know, Um, exactly. The rangefinder. I feel like most people when they, well, I'm a generalized real hard right now because I have no statistics to say this, but I feel like most people when they start film photography, they always start with an SLR. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, potentially look at rangefinders as like weird or like strange or, or even uncomfortable. And then, you know, at some point in the cycle, eventually you, you touch your first rangefinder and then it's kind of like, Oh, shifting now, you know, going all the way to the rangefinder side. At least that's what happened to me. I, uh, and I don't even, it's funny. I have a rangefinder camera, the Canon seven, that's kind of my street one, but mm-hmm. I don't even use the rangefinder. I, in fact, the rangefinder needs to be calibrated because it, it honestly doesn't even work perfectly. And I just zone focus everything, but I love, um, I love how compact kind of the unit is, the camera with with the lens, and then it's quiet. Like you, that's the one thing for sure. Rangefinder will always beat an SLR. Yeah, it'll always be quiet, and, and I just feel like just from you know composing with the actual viewfinder itself, it's yeah. like you you almost see the picture without you know like actually seeing yeah, you know, yeah. like what it is. You know, and you know for sure that you know you have that particular image, and and just yeah. from like the 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 what do you call it. Just from like the like the the lines for the focal yeah, length, yeah. like you already see lines. like what's going to be entering like the frame lines. Yeah. You're going to see what's entering, what's what's not there. It's like you're not constrained to that like a like a box. You're never using like an SLR. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I just like that freedom, and then you know seeing like what's going to enter the frame lines. I'm just like, all right, cool, got it. No, no, that's true. Yeah, because you get a little bit extra space around the frame lines, so you can kind of like almost time your shot. Do you leave yeah. one eye open? Because I I find that I go back and forth, but. Do you do you always have one eye kind of available and the other ones with the with the rangefinder or or do you? Yeah, sometimes like face? like if like like if I'm if if I see a particular person's like coming into the frame, so like I'm just yeah. gonna like look over and I'm like, all right, cool, they're gonna come in at this time and then boom, we just time them from right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's dope. I uh, I I always ask about the Leica cameras too because obviously you know they're great cameras, people love them. I feel like I've been trying to mentally convince myself to not get one for the last like two years. Just because oh, it's too easy to jump in there, like the hype is real. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it, no, there definitely is a hype around it. Um, but I feel like you know, since you know, I, I know like a lot of people they'll you know buy a range, you know, like the, the like a range finder for yeah. like aesthetics, or, like they'll shoot film for aesthetics. But I feel like for me, um, coming from shooting digital and yeah, because you know, I've I've been shooting for like 11, 12 years, and like since two thousand and eight, like I had like a, a bunch of photos of Newark and yeah. what it was then, but you know, like from hard drives and laptops, feeling I was like, I can't bring that back. So since I, you know, I, I look at film as just like a an aid for me to just, you know, preserve, you know, the history that I'm that I'm photographing yeah. because I can just easily just store it away in a box and I know it'll be there. So yeah. if I know that I'm gonna be committed to shooting film and you know, preserving these these memories and, and this history, that I'm gonna invest in that. And exactly. with a Leica, I mean, of course, you know, we we know that it's it's super expensive. You know, it seems outrageous, but 
I mean, one, you do get, you know, your money's worth and two, yeah. you know, it's, it's an investment. Like I, I bought my M6, I want to say it's like 1500 yeah. and we already know like what exactly yeah, it yeah. is right now. So it's like, I've, I've already made that investment and you know, it's already <laughs> went up. So if I needed to sell it for any, no kind of reason. Yeah, yeah. The money's already there, but uh, like I said, it's, it's it's really like I said a serious investment for me just for documenting and 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 just shooting like yeah, what's yeah. happening now. No, no, for sure. I, I respect that. Um, all right, so I want I want to pivot slightly here. You you brought up Lomo earlier. Uh, can mm-hmm. you just describe kind of how you came to actually start working with Lomo and what exactly do you do there as well? So I mean. So my history with Lomo, it, it actually started with me trying to get into film. So I want to nice. say like 2014, I had like the Lomo fisheye camera. You know, I tried shooting with that. And, you know, I, I think I went out to uh, Barbados, came back home, tried to get it, you know, the film developed, yeah, came yeah. back to the lab and they said, uh, oh, it was nothing on here. So that kind of was <laughs> like, it killed me. I was like, oh, like, I don't need film. I got this digital, I can <laughs> shoot however many shots I can do. You're ready to throw it all out the window on day one. Throw it all out the window. <laughs> but it, it wasn't until like like maybe two, three years later, like that same pain that was just hitting me, like, yeah, yeah. oh, you can't shoot film, like you suck or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> you know what, let me just get back into it and just try to do that. But um, I mean, it, it's it's not, it's, it's a long story, but it's not a long story. But yeah, um, pretty much I met the general manager, uh, Birgit, um, at a talk that I had in uh, Bushwick in uh, in Brooklyn, and from there she introduced herself like, "Hey, like, you know, I really like your work. Like, let's nice. get connected." And you know, it was that was like 2019. So then, come 2020, you know, pandemic hit, everything's like locked down. I'm thinking like, "Oh, there's nothing, nothing's going to be popping up." Exactly. It's, it's like you're kind of at the standstill, but you know, I still find my way to you know work around the pandemic and and get myself out there. Yeah. And then I want to say towards the end of 2020, there get uh, she she contacted me. She said, hey, you know, we, we have a, a new lens that's coming out. You know, I love your work and I love for you to test it. So it was the the Atoll lens, the 17 millimeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from there, you know, I was I was a part of the Kickstarter campaign. You know, nice. I got some sample shots it's on the website. And then, you know, I seen the opportunity uh, for a ho- uh, an account manager position. Now, I you know I was like working a nine to five, like a few years back, um, yeah. like kind of dealing with the same things. But I felt as I was like, this this kind of makes sense. You know, I'm a film photographer. Yeah. I know a lot about film. I've dealt with handling accounts. Like even like like my own like my own personal thing, like selling like books and having in different stores, like handling those accounts. I applied, got the interview. So like a few weeks down the line, pretty much got it. And uh pretty much I'm I'm responsible for the United States getting all of Lomography's film. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I said I talk to the to, to the stores. You know, I make sure that the orders are in. I uh, see it's, it's a it's a very high demand when of it course. comes to, to film. You know, every, everybody's trying to get their hands on the film. A hundred percent. It's funny that. So first of all, that's dope. Congrats for working for Lomo. I think Thank I think you. a lot of people dream about working for one of these film companies. You know, because it's just I don't know. It just seems really cool. Um, mm-hmm. But but no, you're totally right. The Lomo film, I think. Well, first and foremost, you've got like some really good quality product when you talk about just like the, the 100, 400, 800, like kind of the, mm-hmm. the quote standard stuff. Um, you know, the, the films are great. They, they can compete with anything when you talk about Kodak, Fuji, that kind of stuff. So that stuff yeah. flies off the shelf, especially because I think it's a little bit less expensive. But the all the other films that Lomo have, they're just I, I think they, they spark a lot of curiosity in people. It's like it's almost like you get bored of what you're doing with quote unquote the normal stuff. 
Um, and I hate yeah. saying normal versus not because I'm sure lamography marketing is like, that's not how we want to talk about this. But my point <laughs> is, you know, p- people get used to the, the 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 stuff that everybody uses on a day to day portrait, all that. And then they're like, man, I, I wish I could do something different. And I feel like lamography encourages people to really step out the box and start thinking about what else they can do, how they can be a bit right. more creative. So I really appreciate that. And I uh, actually I was I was just talking to one of the UK reps and they hooked me up with a, with a sprocket rocket. So I've been messing with that a little bit. Um, it's very, very interesting. I haven't taken mm-hmm. it for a, for a street photography spin yet, you know, kind of like candid, you know, people in the, doing their thing. Um, yeah. But I've shot a bunch of more like, you know, kind of scenes, you know, cityscape, that kind of stuff. And it's fun. I just love how simple it is. Like it kind of distills everything down to a couple key basic functions. And you can't, those restrictions help you be more creative because you can't, you don't have everything at your disposal. You know, you kind of just have to, you know, get, do what you can with what you got. Um, right. That's yeah. That's for sure. I mean, that I feel like that's that's the whole thing with lamography. Like, you don't have necessarily have to be like the serious photographer. You know, that's that's a pro. It's like, even yeah. if like you're you're an amateur, it's just like, oh, like I, I want to just get into film photography. I, yeah. I just don't know how to. And it, it seems like it. You know, like the cameras are. You know, like the the aftermarket is like you know pretty expensive. And yeah. you know, they just want to jump right into it. Um, I just like the fact that lamography is just trying to create you know cater to, to everybody you know exactly and and just to make it accessible for everybody not to make it seem like it's it's all inclusive exactly no i, I think lamography it, it really encourages a sense of of inclusion just because you know this these these different tools and all these different kind of uh, options it's something for everybody and literally like you're, you're trying to get everybody in there you're not you're not saying oh no no this is just for pros you know when like 99 right. of people shooting film are not pros um, and and right. I bet you, honestly, I'd love to see pros take advantage more of some of these alternative options, um, like the Sprocket Rocket. I mean, we just mentioned that, but I'm curious what like a, a pro photographer that's doing client shoots with like, you know, famous people or models and stuff like they could probably do some cool stuff with that. Well, I know that Robert Frank, he actually had a Diana F. There you go. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, he he's this legendary photographer, but at yeah. the same time, like he has this, this, this Diana camera that's plastic. It only has like, <laughs> like what, one 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 twentieth, uh, twenty yeah. fifth of a second of a, you know, in, in bold mode. Yeah, uh, with, a, with a plastic <laughs> lens, and it's like he's just taking advantage of that. And I, I believe that there there was a White House photographer who yeah. photographed on a, on a Holga. Yeah, like the the, and it's just like you know that you can still you know utilize these particular items. It's, like I said, it's not really the camera; it's the person who's behind it and exactly. what their intentions are and what they're capturing. You know what's also interesting? I think when I started messing around with some lamography products, especially like, let's say two years ago or so, I kind of learned more of the how of photography because of these products. Um, Cause for example, like I have, I had the Holga. Um, well, is that technically a lamography product? No. Right. No, I, I feel like that's more now like a freestyle photo. Yeah. 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 Like that's, that's, that's there. Like they, they have like the mold and then like yeah. they manufacture that, but. You know, cause I, I was just, you know, testing this one out. Because uh, like I said, I know like we, we look at like the Dianas, like they're pretty uh, like, you know, like I said, it's plastic, whatever. But yeah. no, I was testing out this this glass lens and I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and one of, like I said, one of the, the people in the office was like, yeah, I have like five Dianas and, you know, I tried the glass lens. He's like, it's it's amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like I'm just giving that a, a try out and seeing what I can, you know, photograph with it. Yeah, no, th- those cameras, they remind you that like photography at its core is a very basic thing. Like you got to get the light mm-hmm. in there and you have to get that light onto the film or the paper or the, the emulsion, whatever you got. And that's it. Whether it goes through a lens, whether it goes through a pinhole, whether it goes through a plastic mm-hmm. thing, ice, you know, 
obviously Lamar doesn't make ice cameras, but I saw something on YouTube. Some dude made a lens out of ice. ice. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll send you the link. It's actually kind of wild. Um, but either way, the point is like Lamography reminds you that you can have the most complex camera or you can have the most simplistic camera made out of a couple basic things. And all of that, literally all of that counts as photography and no one can debate that because it really sure. is. That's it. You know, it's the essential piece. So, so yeah, I think that's what I appreciate the most. Um, you really, you really get pushed to be creative, but you also get reminded of kind of the, the core of what, how photography works, you know, what it actually is. Sure. Um, so I want to, I want to go back to Newark a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. You, you're featured now in, in the Newark Art Museum. Is that correct? What is it called, actually? Is it the Newark Art yeah, Museum? So it's, yeah, so it's the, the Newark uh, Museum of Art. Okay, I was close. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they, they did some, a lot of rebranding, so gotcha. that's what they go by now. So what? how did that engagement come about, and, and what exactly are you featuring there right now? Well, so pretty much, um, you know, I got at, you know, they pretty much put like a call out saying like, hey, like, you know, we, we want everybody to, uh, you know, insert, you know, the, their art, you know, it was around, like I said, uh, Pretty much like the pandemic and yeah. you know some of the uh, the social justice issues that were happening, and uh, pretty much like the for I want to say for the whole entire summer of 2020, I did travel around uh, New Jersey, yeah, uh, to capture like I said a lot of the uh, the George Floyd, uh, like I said protests and, and some of the rallies, and you know I sh you know shot some of that on film, shot some of that on digital, um, but I just felt as though you know like I said I. You know, and I keep going back to how all the all the other major cities were documented, you know, heavily and you know, they were kind of like put out there. And I say, you know what, New Jersey, yeah. you know, deserves a chance to be documented and, and, and put out there. And then, you know, I, I pretty much just submitted that and, you know, they loved it. And pretty much it's it's hanging up right now in the New York Museum. Uh, right. You know, it's, and it's in the same roof right now where uh, Andy Warhol has his works. Wow. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, you know. That's awesome. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, for me, like I, I often just try to, you know, make work that, you know, that has some kind of, you know, some, some kind of importance to it, you know? Yeah. And uh, like I said, I, you know, I do, you know, go out, I do like the, like I said, the, the candid, you know, stylistic, uh, aesthetic yeah, yeah. photography that's out there, try to capture just different moments. But I feel like, you know, I'm moving to a place now where I, I just want to make just meaningful work, you yeah. know, st stuff that people can remember and, you know, look back. 10 20 30 years from now and say like you no know, this this is exactly what happened during this time yeah no that's and dope. It's, and it's important that's dope um it's cool that you do both i think a lot of people struggle with that like you can just shoot because you like shooting because it's fun and you like using the tools mm -hmm. that you have and you know you like kind of seeing the world creatively but if you want to be intentional also and like target a specific thing and try to put forward a message for example or kind of cultivate you know some sort of a story that's also dope I mean, you, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, some of those, and the, I guess the other thing is like, if, you're try, if your goal is to be featured somewhere or, you know, do a show or something, then perhaps you have to be a bit more intentional overall, but there's still a, you know, there, I feel like there's a time and place for everything when it comes to photography. For sure. So yeah, even, even with the stylistic, more like aesthetic, you know, artsy, let's say stuff, you know, that could itself turn into a narrative if you kind of piece things together over time. So, so, you yeah, know, I, I mentioned that just to encourage people to like, whether you're a pro or not, no matter what, you can still, you know, do both and be happy and, and you can be yeah, very intentional sure. with all of the above. And, and for me, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm archived in like different like institutions. I'm like, I'm archived at the, the Met, uh, the New York Public Library, the Schomburg Center mm -hmm. for, you know, 
what what does black, what does black, archive black mean? Just explain that for everybody. Well, it's pretty much when you know an institution they 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 take your works and and they put it into their their catalog. Yeah. So, for instance, you know when when the pandemic first hit, and you know we were getting all this news about like what's happening in New York and Los Angeles. I was like, okay, well, I feel as though that I, you know I'm a valid voice for the city of Newark and yeah. going out and photographing because I do that you know on the day to day. You know, I went out and I photographed and you know seen like the the entire change of the city. Yeah. And you know I got you know interviewed um, by one of the the galleries that are here in, in Newark. It's Paul Robeson Gallery. It's part of Rutgers University. Mm-hmm. And you know after the interview, uh, somebody for like the, the Schomburg pretty much saw the interview and then they reached out to us and said, "Hey, like, we want to actually archive this for our our, our COVID yeah pretty much collection." And I was just like, "Wow!" Like I I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just feel like when some people just don't realize, you know, what they're photographing and how bigger it is than than them and, sure, and the sure. concepts that they have. You know, that yeah. pretty much the any, any the, the stuff that you're doing day to day is like it's just more important than, than what you think it is. God, I see what you and, mean. Um, yeah, yeah no, right, that, and that makes sense. I'm wait for for archiving though. Does that mean you give them like do they take a print digital file? Do they take your negative? Like what exactly is it so, that they're archiving? So it's not so so it's not necessarily like like a negative because that's like. Of course, that's like your your That's solid IP. file, but yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's like so they they pretty much can you know take a, a print. They can take you know a, a digital like archive. Let's say if you put it on on a site, yeah. or if it's hosted on a site, they can say, okay, we want to put this in our digital archive. Gotcha. Next, and they it pretty much like I said they read it and then they store it in their systems. Gotcha. gotcha. But even even so, the the best way to to get your work archived, especially for like when you're doing important works, is pretty much making a book. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people, you know, look over that. They think that, oh, like I want to go ahead and just like put everything on Instagram and, you know, and pretty much get the word out. Like that's that's another good way. But yeah. like more libraries and more museums and institutions, they want like physical works. Yeah, yeah. And and especially with like darkroom printing, I see you do that a lot. Like I said, I I actually teach uh, darkroom developing, oh, some nice. gelatin prints, like. All that, and you know, a lot of libraries—they're looking for that traditional style of printing, of course, which a lot of people don't know. I mean, you can still, you know, get your stuff printed anywhere else, but yeah, yeah. The matter of fact is that you need to have something like physical that you know people can hold, or yeah. like I said, you have like I said, a, like a solid site where you're holding some of the stuff and you're mm-hmm. putting a description behind it. Like I said, they'll they'll definitely take that in. That's great, and that I mean that archiving. It sounds boring and I, I'm not trying to discount what you just said, but like the idea of eye carving, you know, it always implies library and like, you know, dusty books yeah. or whatever, but archiving in, in a romantic sense, it's like, it's going to live beyond you. You know, the, the book is not going to die unless the building burns down that book. Will, right. That who knows how long that book will be around, you know? Um, and even now I think we're in this super digital world. I think people are starting to kind of want to go back. And be like, wait a minute, like, you know, not everything has to be through the phone screen. It's actually way cooler exactly. when you when you touch things and when you breathe things in, and you smell them and all that. So books, I mean, that's what it is. People like books for that reason. So printing a book, even if you make one copy or five just for yourself, not to sell them nothing and maybe to give to your local public library. That's yeah. that's dope. And that again, that's going to live on for a long time, assuming I'm that, like, like, I'm it goes a good thinking, place. I just think of the concept of just like somebody coming from, you know, like a like a. Like a college institution you know yeah. they have to do you know research on this particular topic and it'll be just cool that the fact that okay i can yeah. go to this photographer's like you know his images and yeah. see what he said about this particular thing and quote him you yeah. know like i feel like that that's just like the coolest thing 
Oh, hundred like percent. You know, pe- people, people can just go back and and visit visit you. You know, a yeah. hundred years from now and see like, okay, this is exactly what happened during this time period. Exactly. Like I know, like I don't, I don't know. Just, just for me, I, I just think that's cool, and that's yeah. that's the way how you how you live forever. You know, like think about like Cartier Bresson or Gordon Parks, and like. It's like any 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 historic photographer's work you can look back at and say like oh like I can actually like quote this and this is exactly yeah. what they've done over the time like they yeah. may have not realized that how important it, it was to document that particular time period because they were living through it mm-hmm. and um I feel like that kind of goes over a lot of photographers head that you know even like it could be like the simplest thing you can take a picture of like this old historic building and in the next thirty years like that won't be there anymore. but yeah. you actually documented that during that time and it's important. Yeah, no, totally. The other thing is, I feel like if you live in a place that's, for you know, you're you're Newark, I'm New York City. Those are pretty big places with a lot of people, a lot of representation. If you if you're from a small town somewhere else, nobody may have ever sat there with a the camera and gone around documenting all the stuff they see in the town. So from a competition perspective, you know, you're the voice at that point. You're the one actually putting the information out and. It has even more value because of that. You know, if I put something out about New York City, I'm going to be one out of who knows how many thousands that has done that. Whereas if you do it in some other random town in some random part of the U.S., like it carries a lot more weight. So, yeah, if, if sure. you're if you feel if you live in one of those towns or cities where you really feel like, oh, like this doesn't inspire me, you know, there's nothing to do here. There's probably way more to do simply because of that, because it hasn't been documented by For somebody sure. else. I, I just feel like what what I challenge every photographer who lives in a small city to do is to look at the history that's happening in your particular town or your city. Yeah. Um, because I, I just feel like for me as a photographer and the world of photography doesn't know it, but celluloid film was actually invented in Newark and not a lot of people know that. Interesting. So the same, listen, the same film, yeah. you know, that we, we got here in this canister. Hey, is that, you know? is that new classic? Yeah. yeah new oh classic. shit. <laughs> so pretty much like I said, celluloid film, like I said, the classic that's here was invented in Newark. Like I said, a lot of people when I just feel like when you think of you know film, you think of like a Kodak. Yeah. Uh just because they were the first ones to you know commercialize it, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. for for every individual. But um as far as the invention here, like I said, it it was yeah. Newark, you know, that 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 invented it. Should we invented uh M and M's because uh <laughs> Wrigley uh, was here, Marge Wrigley was here, yeah. patent leather insurance <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so it but it's it's really just like i don't know you just really gotta have pride from like where you're from and like so i feel like once you look back at the history and what has happened in your particular town you can definitely find that now that probably yeah. be like a driving point uh for you yeah um to document your city and to tell the history that's here and and the current history that that's happening yeah i mean that that's a call to action if you're listening you heard him he said it Go out there, learn a little bit, and then get out there and shoot. There's always something, you know what I mean? Um, so I actually, I want to pause real quick. We did not do the rapid round. I don't know if you know what that is, but season two of the podcast, I've started the rapid round, which is basically I fire off a ton of questions at you just in fast succession, and you just answer right off the top of your mind. So let's do that right now. Usually I start right, with that, sure. but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, again, don't think too hard. Just say whatever you think comes to your mind. Uh, right, so sure. here we go. Favorite, favorite camera? M6. All right. Black and white versus color? Black and white. And favorite film stock? Uh, Triax. There you go. Uh, Kodak or Fuji? Kodak. All right. 35 millimeter versus medium format? 
35 millimeter. Uh, Canon or Nikon? Neither. <laughs> um, flatbed scanner versus a digital camera scan? Flatbed. Uh, shooting portrait or landscape? Landscape. Uh, cropping your images versus not cropping your images? Cropping. And film photography, is it a fad or is it here to stay? Here to stay. All right, there we go. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, I, I like your Canon versus Nikon answer. You know what? That's not a very popular question. I think I've asked that question to like, what, four people now this season? And you're not the first one to say neither. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no, they, they've yeah, lost a lot yeah, of the well, swag. I said, I said neither with the, with the, with the F2 right here, right next to you. <laughs> that, that camera's a boss. It looks in great condition, too. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely in great condition. I, I, don't, I don't go out as much with it. Like I said, I, I'm always carrying my M6 with me because, yeah. like I said, it's, it's, not, it's not too you know, big. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not too in your face, not too you know, intrusive. Um, yeah, like I said, it's just my favorite thing. Yeah. And then I'm, like, so I'm taking this one out more. The CL. Uh, why, the why CL. did you get the CL having already uh, an M6? Oh, it was because of the price. Yeah, to be honest, you got a good deal. <laughs> it was the price. Got got a great deal, <laughs> and uh, I just wanted you know another M body as well. Like I'm starting to see that I'm, I'm getting more lenses, and also like Lomography. You know, they made it this this pancake lens here. It's a 32 uh, millimeter, yeah, uh, 2.8. You know, and it's, it's and you know seeing like the form factor of the actual camera, course, like it's tiny. super like thin and tiny. So I'm just like, you know, I'm just gonna you know go out there and just. Nice. Let's see what I can do with that. And I, I've got some great stuff with it. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, good. every time you get a new camera, I feel like it's a, it's a not a reset, but it's like this whole new world opens up, and then you're you kind of have to learn it. But then also, you know, you, you can start shooting differently because depends on the camera what 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 it allows you to do and not to do. So I appreciate exactly. that. I've got I've got a kind of like a a roster of line, a starting five, let's say. And um, I, I do I, I use a lot of my cameras. In fact, I, I'm not one of those people who has like just a, like one or two cameras that is for everything. I don't know. For yeah. some reason, I just whenever I think I'm going to if I'm going to go hiking, I got one camera. If I'm in the street. I got another portraits, another um, mm -hmm. you name it. So I like that. I think it's a personality thing for me. I just I enjoy I, I get I get bored of things, not bored, but like I can't do the same thing three days in a row. I need to like break that up with a, with something different, whether it's a different roll of film, different camera, different lens. There's always something I like to change. Um, but yeah, I totally sure. appreciate the complete opposite of that. People who are like one with that single camera. It's like a it's like another hand, you know, it's just they, they know how to use it. It's, it's an extension of their body. I don't have that with any camera. And I don't know if I ever will, given that I dance around too much. I'm always always choosing something different. Oh, for sure. And I, and I feel like for, for me, whenever I get a new camera, I, I try to just like bring it along, but then I like yeah. realize oh, I don't have enough space for it. <laughs> I, I just got the, uh, the Fuji, the GW6902. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been trying to get out with that. Uh, actually, I had a, a Mamiya RB67 like, that I was like doing like a lot of portraits <laughs> with. I, I was taking that thing out on the street with me, like getting like these street portraits. Yeah. But after a while, it's like, I think it's the tank, man. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 I kind of did like a swap <laughs> with my my homegirl Trina. So she gave me like her contacts G one. I let her hold the nice. RB and and yeah. So ever since uh, I got that Fuji, uh, like it's su it's super light for me, so yeah, I yeah. can go out there and still take like portraits. It's, it's almost like having a Leica, but it's just like that's the six nine you know, one, right? Yeah. So it's the, the Texas Leica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. pretty much like I, like I'm. It's it's nothing different for me. Sure. You know, besides like the. 
the shutter speed dial being like one of the lens itself. Yeah. And like, so I try to go out there and, you know, get portraits and, and even with that thing being big, like it still doesn't like intimidate people. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, but that, you must be bringing some good energy then. Cause <laughs> yeah, I feel sure. like the bigger the camera, the, the more people are like, what's going on here? Unless yeah. it looks super old school. I think people in the street, if you, if you're using a super vintage camera that, that just like, it's like, what the hell is that? I feel like people are more open right off the top. I mean, but but that's a, that's another thing like that you brought up though. It's like you really gotta. I feel like when you're going up to anybody taking a, a photo, like yeah. whether you know you're doing can like a candid, you get caught or or a natural light. <laughs> you're going up to and asking for their portrait. Like you definitely gotta have like great energy. You know, yeah. you gotta gotta be friendly. You know, you gotta show that you know you're not trying to exploit them. That you know you just want to kind of include them and kind of collaborate with them. Yeah, and I feel like. For me, like I feel like, and that—that's the fear of like for people, especially in Newark, you know, want to go out there and do shoot photography. You know, they because they think like, oh, it looks so easy, but you know, I kind of get intimidated, you know, trying to yeah walk up to somebody who I don't know to to get this portrait, and it's like, you know, you just gotta you just kind of include them in, in there, you know, and and show them like, oh, like this is a film camera, you know, it's just like yeah. you know, it's old school. So they're like, oh, like I remember back in my day, <laughs> you know, so. I just feel like, yeah, you just got to have great energy, man. You got to have really good intentions. That's that's a gem right there. I think everybody needs to learn that because the energy is everything, honestly. If you don't have the good energy, it doesn't matter what else you do. It's not going to work well for you. Um, for sure. Well, I want to move to closing here. I'm curious, what do you got coming up for the next rest of the year? I guess we got, you know, five, six months left of the year. What what, what are you planning on? Any Anything interesting happen? Well, yeah, so I'm definitely working on my Newark uh, Portraits book. Nice. Um, it's definitely a collection of images from like 2017 up until now. Yeah. Um, definitely. I, I got some, some workshops that are, you know, in the mix. It's going to be like more local, like in this way. Of course. Um, another photo walk. Uh, I mean, me and my, me and my homeboy, uh, Gabe, we've been, we definitely been doing like a lot as far as like Newark and like bringing the photography community together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was cool because like the last photo walk we had, we had uh, NJ.com and star ledger, which is a newspaper yeah, yeah. in Newark. The people, you know, who attended were able to get their, their, their photos published in the newspaper. That's which was amazing. Like, that was, That's it was awesome. And, um, yeah, another exhibition coming up. I can't say too, too much about it. It's going to sure, be in sure. Newark. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, I'm just, just trying just, just, just new things, but definitely, you know, follow me on Instagram yeah. at Dolo photo. So it's like Dolo underscore F O T O. And yeah. like I said, always give updates on what's going to be happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm going to, I'll make sure to put all the links in there. Instagram website. Um, it's great. You're doing a lot of community stuff and I think that's fantastic, especially locally, you know, every, every city, every kind of neighborhood needs its own little rep- representative to kind of get things going. So appreciate that. When, when I'm back in New York, if, if it times up properly, I'll definitely come through because I oh, yeah, for sure. Listen, I've been out there in a minute. Listen, listen, if you want to come up to the Lomography office, man, just let me know, man. We can't we definitely oh, get that there set we up. go. That that's yeah, I hear that. That's the <laughs> invite right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, that's cool. I think if I could showcase a little bit, I think people would love to see what, what what's going on in a day to day. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for jumping on the podcast. I think uh, thank you. I dropped a couple you, key key pieces of advice there that I think people can really chew on and kind of take with them. So much love for that that was so much fun i just love talking to people that are from where i'm from you know like i said i'm not from newark and he's not from new york but we kind of speak the same language because our upbringings our neighborhoods are very very similar so i love that and i can't wait to get back to new york every time i talk to somebody who's from around the area i just get so hyped so hopefully when i'm back there in october i get to meet up with chris and also meet up with some of y'all if you're in new york city as well all right y'all to the next episode i'm out